You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. So what does this say to us today? Well, for me, it tells me to keep my ear to the ground and my eyes, not on the establishment, but to be listening to those outside, on the edges, on the margins, the undersides of the church or society, and the calls for justice that those communities are making. Welcome to episode 500. My name is Herb Montgomery. And our title this week is Advent and the Joy of Working for a Better World. A reading this week is from the Gospel of John. It is John 1, 6 through 8, and then verses 19 through 28. It reads, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So most scholars agree that John's gospel here, this was the last gospel in our sacred canon to be written. Mark's is believed to have been the earliest. Matthew and Luke are somewhere in between Mark and John. In Mark's gospel, John is a contemporary of Jesus. Jesus begins as as one of John's disciples and and part of his part of John's Jewish reformation and renewal movement. Once John is imprisoned, Jesus begins his own renewal movement, and one gets the impression that John's followers and Jesus' followers later were two related but separate movements. They were contemporary movements, and, and movements that were occasionally in competition with one another. John's gospel presents John the Baptist as Jesus's forerunner, the one who announced Jesus's arrival. But in Mark, Jesus is baptized by John. Uh, as the gospels progress, though, this fact of, of 
Jesus proceeding forth out of John's movement, this fact becomes less and less emphasized until in John's gospel, this this final gospel, the gospel of John even conveniently leaves out John's role in Jesus' baptism. Jesus isn't baptized in the gospel of John by John the Baptist. It's, it's, and it's very cryptic about it. And this may reflect being the, the last gospel written and being written at a later time. This may reflect some tensions that had developed between John's followers and Jesus's followers. And if that's the case, the Jesus community at this time may not have wanted to see Jesus subordinated to John in any way in the gospels which baptism would have done, even if only by implication. So, so John's gospel, it seems here to actually be downgrading John the Baptist. And it's for the purpose, remember, of exalting Jesus for the Johannine community. And one example is how in this gospel, John the Baptist, he rejects attempts to be identified as the Messiah, as the prophet, or Elijah, or the one who is to come. In Mark, in Matthew, and in Luke, the exact opposite is what we find. John the Baptist is dramatically associated with Elijah. In Mark 9, 12-13, Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it? Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, but they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. And in Matthew eleven fourteen, it says, if you're willing to accept it, he, talking about John the Baptist, is the Elijah who was to come. In Luke 1, 17, Using the language of Micah 4, verse 5, it says he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, talking about John the Baptist, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But again, in our reading this week in the Gospel of John being written much later, John the Baptist rejects being associated with any of these figures, including Elijah. So what I appreciate about the picture of uh, John the Baptist that we do get in the Gospel of John is that it unequivocally, once again, like all the other Gospels, locates John's ministry in the wilderness. Each gospel tells us exactly where it was that John taught. When John is cornered in our reading this week by people demanding that he answer their questions about who he was, John's response here is the same as in all the gospels. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. And last week, in last week's podcast episode, I talked at length about how John's ministry being in the wilderness, what that means it, it, when we apply that to the ideas of social location and uh, whether people are more centered, whether they're more marginalized, whether people work from within establishments in a position of privilege, or whether they're working on the edges of certain communities. Uh, again, John's ministry is characterized in all of the Gospels as being one in the wilderness. And if you haven't already listened to last week's podcast, I would encourage you to do so. If you want to go back and read uh, last week's blog post, 
post on all of that. I'll put a link to that in this week's e-site. But the wilderness in the Gospels, remember, it's contrasted with the central location of power being the temple state. Uh, the temple state being centered in the temple um, as the, the capital there in Jerusalem. And John is characterized as working outside those centers of power, specifically that center of power. He, he was not uh, part of the community of the powerful, the property, the privileged. And here I want to be very clear. This isn't, when it contrasts John the Baptist with the temple state, we're not witnessing here um, the, some symbolized conflict between Christianity and Judaism. I know that has been Inter this story has been interpreted that way, much to Jewish people's harm at the hands of Christians throughout Christian history. But these are rather these are symbols of a long-standing conflict within Jewish society, and was present even at that time. These symbols they represent Jewish voices in conflict with one another over what fidelity to the God of the Torah looked like in relation to things like economics society and politics you had the those in control and the power center there the temple state and then you had john uh, representing those in the margins calling for change and these were all deeply religious matters too in that culture remember all of this was mixed up it wasn't just purely political it was religious as well and, and religious fidelity it 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 involved demands on people's life life and and how they lived in relation to certain economic social and political practices so so the symbols here being contrasted then they're those of priest versus prophet john is standing in the role of hebrew prophet and then you have the temple state uh, and, and juxtaposed to that the priesthood it, it represented those who had been co-opted at that time by rome they were barely more than puppets of of the absentee emperor caesar and whoever held the position of high priest that position was designated by rome and and the priesthood's chief responsibility was to ensure whatever actions took place in the Jewish temple state, that those actions did not violate the, the Pax Romana. In contrast to this elite class in John's society, is this symbol here of John being a prophet in the wilderness. This symbol, it stood within a long lineage within the, the, the tradition of the Hebrew prophets who continually called those in positions of power in every generation back to practices of societal justice and again how the most vulnerable in any society um, how they are taken care of or how they are exploited according to the torah that was a matter of fidelity to their god and faithfulness to god implied living justly in relation to one's neighbor those who who participated in the hebrew prophetic justice tradition they always stood on the margins of their society they were calling those at the center and those in positions of power and privilege to return to a path of of distributive justice so there's a rich heritage here 
of of the justice prophets in in the heritage that John the Baptist is being characterized with. And that's true not just in the Gospel of John, but in each of these Gospels. So what does this say to us today? Well, for me, it tells me to keep my ear to the ground and my eyes not on the establishment, but to be listening to those outside on the edges, on the margins, the undersides of the church or society, and the calls for justice that those communities are making. It brings to mind such movements today like like the Poor People's Campaign or the Movement for Black Lives or, or movements like we saw at Standing Rock a few years ago calling for justice for indigenous communities and an end to the extraction and pollution of their lands. It brings to mind the, the, the recent Women's March on Washington or, or present-day movements for LGBTQ justice and inclusion. It brings to mind those who are calling today specifically for justice for the thousands of innocent Palestinian lives that are being taken. So, so who is it? We have to ask this. Who is it that is in the wilderness calling for change in our story today? What justice needs are they raising awareness for? Or in the language of, of this week's passage, what is the way that they are preparing for God's future of love and compassion and justice and safety to arrive? A world that is safe, compassionate, a just home for, for us all. Who, in other words, are the John the Baptist of today? In our story, John was preparing the way for one who the synoptic gospel authors, they, they borrowed the words of Isaiah to describe, uh, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom I delight, and I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Again, that's Isaiah 42, but we find it in Matthew 3, Mark 1, and Luke 3, all in each of those three synoptic, synoptic gospels. This language from Isaiah is applied to Jesus at his baptism. But in Isaiah, the purpose for putting the Spirit on this one in whom uh, the, uh, there was delight was that he would bring justice to the nations. So who is it today that's preparing the way for justice to be brought to the nations? Who are the ones on the edges working within the grassroots of our communities, preparing the way so that when justice is accomplished, it finds rich soil to, to take root in our communities and remain there. Um, who are the ones that uh, are fulfilling that role today in our story? In our story, when God's just future, are, well, in our reading this week, that when God's just future arrived, remember, it was responded to negatively, it was crucified by the powerful, the privileged, and the propertyed. We have a choice before us today. We have the ability to write a different ending to that story. And it, it rests on our choice. We can write an ending that, that, that stands uh, where we are awake to uh, the resurrection of God's just future, where we welcome the, uh, the, the arrival of God's just future. We don't behead it. We don't crucify it. We welcome it and we work to establish it. But And again, when I say God's just future, I'm not talking about religious empire in the way maybe the religious right would. I'm talking about, again, a world that is simply a safe, just, compassionate home for everyone. But, th but this season... 
Remember, it's not Easter yet, and we're talking about the resurrection of God's just future that they crucified back then, and it's a re-return in the future. It's not Easter yet. This season is is Advent, and this week's uh, theme is the joy of Advent. And as difficult as doing preparation work in the wilderness is at times, there is joy in knowing that uh, knowing exactly what it is that you're preparing the way for. We're preparing the way for the advent of a world where love is our guiding principle. And there's joy in that assurance. And our labors are not in vain. Heart group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, Advent is that season where we take time to reflect on the joy of the kind of world that we're working toward. So what joy are you finding in Advent this year? Share and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small? to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. Uh, If you'd like to join them, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. For all of our uh, supporters out there this, this month, here as the year is ending, All donations are being matched uh, dollar for dollar. Also, we have a few thank you gifts that if you become a monthly uh, sustaining partner, we have a a thank you gift for you there. If you just want to make a one-time donation, we have a free book giveaway going on as a thank you for that as well. Go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and look at those options and, and consider making a donation this month here at the end of the year to support our work. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads if you haven't done so already please follow us on your chosen social media platforms for our daily post and also if you enjoy listening to this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it on take a moment this week to leave us a positive review there this helps others find our podcast as well you can watch our new youtube show called just talking each week where todd leonard and i take a brief moment to talk about the uh, gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend each week we'll We'll talk about those uh, readings in the context of love and compassion and societal justice. If you teach from the lectionary or you're just looking for some insights on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective in the context of social justice, I would encourage you, you, you take a listen, to, uh, go, go watch it there. You, you, you may enjoy it. You can find it at youtube.com at Herb and Todd Just Talking. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the gospel is now also available at RenewedHeartMinistries.com. Right where you are this week, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working for justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm